I know these are the corporate colors, but I was just hoping that we'd, we'd be able to get the, the orange signs up for today. I mean, I gotta go on the air and just like a couple, like, well, now, no orange signs. Well, we'll have to reconcile that some way. Yeah, yeah all right, sorry, bye. Welcome to National uh, Canada's First Reconciliation Day. And uh, we're gonna be talking more about that as we are resplendent in our orange here for season two, episode 39 of Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry, that's me. We are fueled by Gales Gas Bars, as per usual, we thank them. Also supported by our other sponsors. You don't have to hurry at your street too, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Performance Heating and Air, Verge Insurance, and of course, Enwick, Niagara's high-speed internet. We still need some trimming here, City of St. Catharines. Uh, and we are headed down to Fiddler's Poorhouse, 149 St. Paul Street, west, that's where, well, not west yet, west is uh, like that way. Uh, so, uh, also, WeStream is the power behind this. Kevin Jack, our executive producer, will introduce you to him again in just a couple of minutes. We are gonna have a very interesting program uh, on uh, the 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 day today because um, obviously the Truth and Reconciliation Day we're going to be getting into that but also the mom of Alex and Paige whose dad took them uh, to the East Coast not too long ago so we're going to head into Fiddler's Poor House right here right now and uh, hopefully you can get settled in and join us it's also an open program when we don't have a special guest scheduled and we'll tell you how you can participate in that so let's get underway here on this uh cool but nice fall day in downtown st catherine season two episode 39 just around the corner it's go time brother hey sorry i was uh, <laughs> otherwise occupied uh, for just a second making sure that we had all of our connections uh, up and ready to go and uh, the gentleman you do see on the extreme right of your program is uh, my friend and our executive uh, producer and uh, one of the head honchos along with brandon scram of we stream niagara's uh, ontario's canada's uh, premier streaming service uh by the way happy belated birthday to uh, kevin's partner brandon uh, scram as well didn't and to you that. as well yes to me too and another trip around the sun um it seems to me those trips around the sun are getting faster i don't, I don't know whether i'm just getting better at it it's global warming uh, <laughs> oh man um but uh my father always used to say that i never understood it uh, when i was a kid yeah well when you get when you get older time time goes faster how can that be time is time is time but he was right he was definitely right well again welcome to national day for truth and reconciliation it is canada's first uh, and it will be happening on september 30th this year and every year following and there's been a lot of conversation about it as there should be what it means 
how are we to recognize it? How are we to feel about it? How much of it is provincial? What do we do as far as uh, statutory holiday status and things of that nature are concerned? How much is federal? So I think as the as the years go by, and perhaps uh, as soon as next year, we'll have the little wrinkles sorted out and we'll have a, a better understanding of how we can legitimately recognize a very, very important day. Kevin, it was kind of heartening. It made me smile. I was driving south on Lake Street coming into the set here today at Fiddler's Poor House and, and I can't remember the name of the school, but there is a, an elementary school that backs right onto Lake Street here in downtown. And all the kids were outside at, at a recess and they're all in orange. They were all they were all in their their orange t-shirts so this had to have been something uh, it, it was either a board thing or a school thing that uh and all the teachers the supervisors they were also wearing their orange every child matters t-shirts and it just kind of made me smile and say hey this is this is good we're getting them young you know uh by getting them young i mean just trying to ingrain the importance of these things in, into young children who may not totally understand what's going on but they know something's important and that's good we're going to have uh, on that line about 10 to 1 today about 12:50 on the program we're going to be speaking with wayne kretz wayne is uh, sort of a dual purpose guest here um uh, and i'm sorry that's not uh, we are going to have wayne on but that's so not that's the gentleman. Uh, brian khan brian khan uh, I, I skipped two names down, I'm sorry, Brian Kahn also has two titles. Indigenous lead at the Niagara Catholic District School Board, as well as a center for the Niagara Region, uh, on the Niagara Region Métis Council. All right, so um, with apologies to, to Brian and to Wayne for mixing you up, uh, Brian Kahn will be here uh, at about 12.30 today. So, uh, with, that, uh, with that in mind, and Wayne Kretz will be here. Totally different subject, and we'll fill you in on what's happening there. He's the owner of Manhattan's restaurant here in St. Catharines, as well as uh, the owner and the person that operates Niagara Sports Trips. And there's kind of an interesting story there, too. So those are our scheduled guests. Uh, and other than that, we might have another couple of people clicking on to join us today. Probably the single most talked about story in the past month, two months, was the story of dad Clayton Meisner spiriting off his two daughters Alex and Paige. They were finally located overseas th technically although it's very very close to Canada these two small islands that are indeed French islands. Um, Saint-Pierre and Miquelon right Kevin's zeroing in here, right, right there, just uh, almost, just a short ferry ride from Newfoundland, just a short ferry ride from the country of Canada, but they are indeed French islands, as in France. Over the course of the past week, we got in touch with Alex and Paige's mom and we're absolutely thrilled about the fact that she is going to be joining us here today kelly campbell is her name she is joining us uh right now and i want to make sure that i can hear her um good afternoon kelly 
Good afternoon. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just great. Thank you. And uh, likewise, I'm sure you can uh, see and hear us all right. I can hear you perfectly, but sometimes the internet connection here is a bit spotty. Okay. Uh, well, hearing me is good enough. Looking at me is not always a pleasure. <laughs> so, um, where are you right now, yourself? Right now, I am on the island of St. Pierre. Okay. Um, there is a little separate island that's Miquelon, yep. but right now I am in St. Pierre where the children are. Okay, Kelly, I want to wind you back um, right to the very beginning, if you would, because as you have already experienced, there is a lot of information, misinformation, innuendo, guesswork, etc., that surround your story and the story of your family. And we're really excited that you can come here and, and tell us exactly what happened from your perspective as the mom. So can you walk us right back to day one here about your family and, and what took place? Uh, two years ago, I started court proceedings to obtain full custody of my children as my current husband and I had some concerns which mm -hmm. we brought to facts and uh, they did an investigation uh, as well um, and we proceeded to go through the very excruciatingly slow court system uh, to try to gain custody of these children. Um, during those two years allegations came up there were a lot of um, disagreements between uh, Mr. Meisner and myself about the way things should be done we were not happy with the outcome of FACS's investigation into the care and well-being of our children. So we persevered to go through court. Um, COVID has slowed down the court process. Um, it took us probably about, I believe, 10 months or so to be able to get into court to do okay. uh, a custody trial. But in August, uh, we received, uh, Mr. Meisner had been keeping my children from me for about 18 months, contrary to a court order that I was supposed to have visitation. Um, we did receive a court order in, on August 12th that was, uh, the visitation was to commence and it was police enforceable. And when I attended his home to pick up the children for access with the police. Um, we found out he had left his home two days prior with the children and nobody knew where they were. Okay. What was it, you said uh, in, the, in the beginning, um, you and the child's father did not agree with the original decision or finding that had taken place what was it about that what was that decision that you didn't that neither one of you agreed with the very first thing we disagreed with was the amount of school that the children were missing so three years ago now yeah. for two years in a row the children were missing in excess of 45 days a year for school and we didn't think his excuses were appropriate. And he also was not uh, taking them to ordered counseling sessions. They were having a lot of 
anxiety and issues, and we were trying to come to the bottom of that. Okay. So did he um, have did he have custody of Alex and Paige at that time? They resided with him primarily, but we have always had joint custody. Okay. All right, so let's come back to where you, you finished your statement there when you went to uh, pick up Alex and Paige. They were gone, nobody knew where they were, and then began what must have been sort of like a little trip through hell for you. To walk us through the next period of time. Um, absolutely, it's been hell. And I have to say as well, if I could backtrack a, a sure. little bit, is that um, when we originally contacted FACS and they visited Clayton's home, even though we, um, my husband was the person who called, even though he asked to remain anonymous, they told Clayton it was my husband that called. And since then he has made it his mission to destroy our reputation, to come forth with horrendous allegations that are absolutely not true. And trying to essentially break the, the the family bond that I have with my children. And I'm sorry to say that he has succeeded. But um, the day after I was supposed to pick them up, I called Niagara Regional Police to do a welfare check on the children. And they attended his home. And um, his mother was not home at the time, but she came, she returned home and spoke to the officer and said that, he had left with the children in her car on Wednesday and she did not know where they were and that was all she was going to say. So yeah. there, there began a plea to the Niagara Regional Police to consider that the children were missing. Uh, there was a previous court order in place that he was not to remove them from Ontario. Neither of us were. Okay. And um, I knew that he had uh, passports for them as well. So the concern was, is that he was running from the police enforced visitation, as well as the court ordered that he was to undergo a psychiatric evaluation. The judge felt that there was something psychologically going on and there was some concern about his being able to make decisions with regards to the children. Okay. He was supposed to have that evaluation done by um, tomorrow, October 1st. Kelly, there was much made of, as you are well aware, I'm sure, of, you, you alluded to the, your current relationship. Can you, yes. tell, can you tell us about your current relationship? Because um, your your partner was is he now your husband or just what what is the current status he's my husband okay uh and um and he has been referred to in some pretty derogatory terms through social media uh and the fact that a lot of people believed or said that the father had removed the children from a toxic atmosphere. Could you speak to that for us? Absolutely. So um, we warned facts that we thought Mr. Meisner would bring up allegations of a heinous manner. And he proved us right when a couple of months later, he took the children to the police to lay sexual abuse allegations. 
there was an investigation with OPP immediately. Mm -hmm. My husband was questioned by police. I was questioned by police and the children were brought in as well. They described um, an embrace, a hug that we would give them at nighttime. And so no further investigation was warranted. No charges were laid. Um, it was explained to us that the children were maturing and were no longer comfortable with a hug. Now, since that hug, it has evolved over the last 18, 19 months into apparently groping, you know, um, inappropriate touching and that, um, you know, worries about um, rape. Okay, so let's flash forward again to where Mr. Meisner uh, and Alex and Paige were located uh, on the French island uh, islands uh, of uh, Saint-Pierre and Miquelon. Uh, and uh, Saint-Pierre is where you are right now, you said, correct? Correct, yeah. yes. So, um, and then, so that is where you are where are the where are the children where is their father what's what's happening behind the scenes bring us up to date now with that part of the story sure so the children are here they're being hosted by a family in saint pierre uh, essentially under the the social services group here similar to what facts would be in the niagara region yeah. so they're with their host family uh, Mr. Meisner is here as well. Um, he, uh, despite facing extradition to Canada, is allowed to walk around this island and be free as long as he checks in to the police station a couple of times a week. Can you see he your children? Is, I have asked to see my children every day. However, they are continuing to refuse to see me right now. Sorry, I cut you off there a second. You said that um, uh, Mr. Meisner is allowed to walk around the, the island and then I cut you off. What were you about to say? He just has to check into the police station a couple okay. of times a week and he has to promise not to leave the island of St. Pierre. Okay, so I'm assuming that extradition processes are continuing. They're ongoing extradition processes are continuing they are trying to bring him back to canada as soon as possible i have been told that mr meisner is attempting to seek asylum from uh canada you know asylum here in from the france french government yeah from the french government because he is afraid they will be murdered if they come back to canada and murdered. he has indicated he will never return to canada Okay, so while that is happening yeah. on, on his side of the legal system, you as, as, as Canada allowed before you went to pick them up and discovered the missing, you are technically, if I'm, not in, if I'm not correct, let me know, technically still entitled to custody. Am I correct on that or is that whole thing gone out the window now? Well, it is. However, the French, so we did have a hearing here on Monday right. and received results of that hearing yesterday. Yeah. The French judge um, 
cannot go by what he cannot change or enforce what the un as far as I'm aware, I could be right. wrong or have misunderstood, but he cannot enforce or change what the Canadian government has done. His job is to ensure the safety of the children here in France right. until we can ensure that they can go back to Canada. So are your legal people, and I'm assuming you do have, uh, I'm assuming you do have legal representation, are they in constant contact with the French authorities on this? How, is, it, is it going okay? Is it lumpy? Like, how, how are you doing? It's, um, <laughs> it's very difficult. There are a lot of people involved. And because this is a very unique situation, nobody quite knows the proper procedure to do things. So although okay. there are a lot of people in the pot, not everybody knows what to do. So I think it's just getting through a bunch of paperwork and a lot of discussion between officials because it is international. Yeah. Um, it, it's very difficult, you know, to get through the, the court process here. So our, my goal is to, for of course, the children to be safe, but to have them return to Canada as soon as possible. Kelly, have you ever been concerned even a little bit with the potential for any sort of inappropriate relationship between your current husband and your children? Never. And if that were the case, we would have never married. I, if I had, there was any indication of that, there would be no relationship between my husband and I. How are the girls? You mentioned that, um, A, uh, Mr. Meisner, you said, had uh, attempted to, I guess, uh, poison the relationship between you and your children, for the lack of a better word, and or keep you estranged f from their perspective. You said he had succeeded at that. Is when you do see them, or if you do see them, or talk to them, whatever your whatever contact you're allowed, how is the relationship between you and Alex and Paige? So the term you're looking for is parental alienation. There we go. And it is a true, there is a syndrome. It is um, documented severely and it occurs across the world. And it's an unfortunate thing that can occur between parents, men and women can do this to their children and often it indicates that they have an underlying psychiatric condition mm -hmm. um, my my goal eventually is to try to repair that uh, break in our relationship so we can build trust again right right now they believe everything their father is saying and why wouldn't they he's their parent he's supposed to tell them the truth you know Mm -hmm. You expect your, your parents to love and care for you and tell you the truth with everything. But somehow that got broken between us. And I'm not exactly sure how, but my goal is to try to repair that. Sure. Um, be, yeah. I certainly don't want to ignore it. It's not something that as a parent, I feel I can step back and wait for them to mature and they'll come back to me when they're older. It doesn't work like that. Um, there will be a very long road ahead of us with counseling um, yeah, and sure. unification. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Kelly Campbell, thank you very, very much. A lot of people in your situation would uh, probably feel like just digging a hole and uh, not coming out for a while, but we do really appreciate the fact that you have shared your story uh, with us. Hopefully social media will be kind to you, your children, their father, and all the people that are involved in this and just let, um, let the system uh, and their parents sort these things out. And um, I guess the two words that we would hope that people would follow is to just be kind uh, and, and help along the way because I'm, I'm sure you've had some rather torturous days. So we really appreciate you being here. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Okay, and stay in touch, will you, Kelly? Keep, uh, keep in touch with uh, Kevin behind the scenes or whatever so that as your story unfolds, we can continue to bring, uh, to shine the, the, the proper light on, on the truth, on this Truth and Reconciliation Day for another whole different reason. Uh, hopefully uh, you can keep us posted, thanks. Thank you, I will. All right. Take care. Yeah, you too, Kelly, thank you. Um, and the organization that she was referring to, you probably already know this, when she was saying facts throughout the interview, just in case it uh, was not clear to you, that's Family and Children's Services. Those, uh, that's the organization that gets involved whenever there are um, situations such as these in families. So that's, that's the facts reference. Kevin, one cannot uh, imagine <laughs> what, what the stress level must be of, uh, of parents. They both love their kids. I mean, you know. So, it's, it's terrible because in two weeks, we've shared both sides of a story and the truths are... Diametrically opposed. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, over time, it's gonna take, as, uh, as Kelly said, it's going to take a lot of time, a lot of conversation, a lot of professional assistance all around to get past this stage, especially for those uh, for the girls. Uh, Lee, just a programming note here. We do have a yeah. bunch of people that have hopped into the waiting okay. room. Maybe you want to touch on uh, on the Clayton Meisner, the Kelly Campbell story that is unfolding here in front of us. Uh, we do have some time set aside here, though, to talk to Brian Kahn mm -hmm. about Truth and Reconciliation Day. He's in the waiting room. Excellent. so. Uh, if anybody has clicked on and you want to join the program, we will find time for you. Okay, but we do have some scheduled guests, so we got to get to Brian. But uh, just hold on. You're in the right place, and, uh, and we'll get to you. Thank you for that, Kevin, for bringing people up to date. And thank you to those folks that have uh, clicked in to participate in the program today. Uh, and we also will take a moment before we bring Brian on here to thank our uh, always uh, patient and, uh, and loyal sponsors. Fueling this program, Gales Gaspars, as they have fueled Niagara for decades before and uh, decades going forward. Uh, so to Jessica Friesen, CEO, and uh, everybody at Gales, thank you so much for your support as our title sponsor of the program. Also, Carlo and the gang, performance heating and air, saving you money on your uh, HVAC bills and systems because they have families here too. Enwick, high-speed internet. Uh, Niagara, probably one of a kind with a company like this. So uh, especially uh, if you have uh, issues with uh, internet uh, in or out or a little shaky or uh, something of that nature, check them out. Give Enwick a call and, and uh, I'm sure that they can help you out. 
Also, uh, Mark Shirk and his troop at uh, Verge Insurance Group, another Niagara-founded and run and managed company. Uh, all of these, all of these people and their companies, and many others, uh, are here simply to service the Niagara, as are we. Here at Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry, that's me, Kevin Jack, our executive producer. We stream providing the technology and expertise to bring this into your homes and around the world. Also to uh, Nick and uh, those of you who are his followers and contributors at Niagara 411. Uh, and I want to holler a shout out to Nick and Nick's mom and dad who are way over there. Hi guys. <laughs> they came in to have lunch here at Fiddler's Poor House, isn't that nice? Uh, always... Uh, always appreciate your support. Now moving along uh, on this National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, the first of its kind and it will continue every September 30th as we go forward, we bring along Brian Kahn. Brian is uh, here in Niagara. He is an Indigenous Lead. These are his two titles, Indigenous Lead at the Niagara Catholic District School Board as well as uh, Senator at the Niagara Regional Métis Council. Brian, thanks for waiting for us, and welcome to the show. Uh, Tansy, hello. Hey. Um, where are you right now? I'm, I'm in Niagara Falls. Okay. Uh, that's your home? Yeah, uh, and I'm running between different events throughout the day, so uh, I made a pit stop here in order to make this, uh, this appearance. Well, I'm really glad that you did, because I know it's a very busy and important day, and that's where I want to start for you, Brian, and I know that uh, the Métis um, people are, are just part of this large quilt of indigenous people, uh, peoples across Canada. Um, and I don't expect you to speak for everyone, but you can, you can give us a bit of a, a snapshot, if you will, of what this day means. So let's ask you that question. What okay, does well. this day mean? Well, very, very simply, um, it is the first... Uh, Day of Truth and Reconciliation, first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. However, for the past seven, eight years, the day was actually known as Orange Shirt Day. And Orange Shirt Day started um, in 2013. A woman had the opportunity to speak to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and tell her story. She was one of 6,500 survivors of the Indian residential schools who were allowed to come forward and tell their experiences and their stories of their time at the schools. Right. And Phyllis Webstadt, very simple story. She, her grandmother brought her a brand new shirt uh, to go to school and on her first day of school she wore that shirt. It was bright orange, she was cheerful, she was excited to be there. Um, and the reason why she was excited, I have to take a step back, she was excited because all the other children in her community were taken away. So she knew that by going to this school she would be where other children were. So that was why she was excited. But the moment she got to the school, they took away her orange shirt, they cut her hair, they put her through the process of delicing and, and showering and stripping her in front of everyone and uh, took away her shirt and she never saw it again. So again, a simple story, but it's, it's moved a nation and right across this country and into the United States, people are recognizing September 30th as Orange Shirt Day. Thank you for that background. What year was that again? You, you might have mentioned it and it might have gone completely by me, Brian. When <laughs> yeah. did this happen? So that was 2013. 2013? So, that sounds like something that would happen eight, in 1813. Well, okay, no, sorry. She was telling her story in 2013. Ah, okay. Um, her story is actually not that old. 
Uh, she went to her school in 1973, I believe. Wow. So for many of your listeners, viewers, um, many of them were around at that time. The last Indian residential school closed in 1996. So again, it's not that long ago that this was a part of Canada's everyday, part of Canada's current life, not necessarily history. And that is probably the kernel right there of information that those of us who were outside that world yes. have a hard time wrapping our heads around because we know where we were in 76 and we know where we were, at least some of us know where we were in 76, uh, and, and, and we know where we were in 96 and uh, that the fact that this system was still alive is really something that is hard for the general public, if you will, to, to percolate and wrap our heads around, isn't it, really? Well, absolutely. I've done public presentations, and, and this is, for a long time, this has been a part of my presentation when I talk about Indigenous issues, because it goes beyond the story of the Indian residential schools, but there's no denying that's, that's a key component to it. But I have been publicly called uh, a liar. Um, at presentations where um, people have said, my Canada would not do this to children. Yeah. So my response to the individual was, you didn't learn it in school, I didn't learn it in school, but talk to your grandchildren. It was obvious that the woman was would be a grandmother, if not a, gra a great-grandmother. Mm -hmm. And so it was, talk to your grandchildren, because now they are learning it in school. It's, it's part of Canada's history that is only, in the last few years, uh, being looked at seriously. The warning signs for this has, has been long-standing. As far back as 1907, the medical doctor for the federal government, who actually toured some of the schools at the time, uh, just prior to 1907, he came back and his report said it was nothing short of manslaughter, what he was witnessing in the schools, as far as the death rates of the Indigenous children. Brian, there is much discussion, of course, about the tangible effect of or lack of a tangible effect of something like this National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Um, the cynics would say, well, what good is it going to do? The, the people that would like to see it uh, evolve into something positive would say, okay, well, it's all well and good to have this nice National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, but what's actually needed is definitive action. And then one would ask, what sort of action is, is, is desirable? What sort of action do people mean when they say something like that? Uh, words are nice, but action is important. What kind of action, uh, actionable um, things would, would you like to see or would, would people in organizations like yours like to see as opposed to just one day? How do we act oh, on it? Absolutely. So, so there's a couple of things with that. So the fact that the, the federal government uh, uh, chose this day, which had been known as Orange Shirt Day, a grassroots movement by Indigenous people, but then the federal government took it over as the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. So that's both a positive and a negative. It's increased awareness, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's taken away something that was grassroots. Um, the, the day was a requirement. It was call to action number 80 out of the Truth and Reconciliation 94 calls to action. Um, and it was calling for a, nas a national statutory, and I hate the word that's used, but it is used in the TRC, 
as a holiday. And I ask people not to consider it a holiday. It is a day of reflection, re remembering, and observance of the 150,000 children who are taken out of their homes and, and away from their families and communities and placed into these schools that put them at risk. Again, their own medical examiner said it was nothing short of manslaughter. So what's important is, going back to me being called a liar at one of my presentations, it's listen to the stories and realize that this is the truth of Canada's history. Or, again, I don't like to fully call it history because there's also the intergenerational trauma that is following us ever since. Yeah. So listen to the stories, believe the stories. You can go online and you can put in Indian residential school survivors and there are survivors who are telling their stories. And in some cases, it's very hard to hear. Uh, these are their truths. And again, some of the challenge is people are saying, no, that didn't happen. But no, listen to the voices of those who lived through it. And they're speaking their truth. Then what do we do? How do we help? How do we affect change? Well, there are 94 calls to action. And so uh, a, good, yeah. a good starting point is to look at those calls to action. After interviewing over a period of six years, you know, 6,500 different survivors of the Indian residential schools. The commission came up with these 94 calls to action, and two of them related to education. So the uh, schools and, and the ministries of education across the country have taken that to heart, and that is part of um, the education process now. Um, but there are many other areas that it intersects as far as where you are in your community, mm -hmm. um, what you do at your church, what you do in your sporting events, and so on. Um, so take a look at the 94 calls to action. Again, they're online. And start to work towards... So the truth has been spoken. During the Truth and Reconciliation Commission hearings, the truth has been spoken. So now work towards the reconciliation. And there are 94 calls to action for that to happen. So read those and work towards those. Okay. Uh, Brian Kahn, thank you so much for joining us. What is your next event today? Where, where are you jetting off to next? Well, I've got a, a few events at, at schools that I'm, I'm running between, but tonight, Niagara Falls, for the past couple of years, we've been turning the falls orange on in recognition of the Indian residential school survivors. This year, it is, the falls are turning orange every hour on the half hour, starting at 6.30 this evening, and they'll stay orange for 15 minutes at a time, and then at 7.30, 8.30, and so on. In that 15 minutes, 10,000 children are being recognized and honored as the falls turn orange uh, during that time period. So 10,000 children a minute. And, and let us not lose sight of that Orange Shirt Day moniker either. Hopefully, uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation and Orange Shirt Day can be hand, uh, hand in hand going forward because that's a story that we would never want to forget. So hopefully we I'm can keep that going. Shirt. I'm wearing my orange shirt. I see you're wearing an orange yep. shirt. So there's, there's a good start. So okay. thank you. All right. Brian Kahn, uh, Indigenous lead at the Niagara Catholic District School Board and Senator with the Niagara Region Métis Council. Uh, again, appreciate uh, your time on a very, very busy day and may this be just the first step in a very long journey that's positive for everybody. Thank you, Brian. Miigwech. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Okay. Some pretty, some pretty deep seated uh, emotions were sort of 
stirring up here today, Kevin, on a number of different levels. We're going to lighten the mood a little bit later when Wayne uh, Kretz joins us. Wayne is owner of Manhattan's Bar and Grill here uh, on Vine Street in St. Catharines, but also he is uh, owner and operator of an organization called Niagara Sports Trips. And that is the role in which we're going to be chatting with him mainly in, uh, in just a few minutes about, uh, well, you know the draw of sporting events that are across the river, as they say here. And uh, being across the river is a hard, hard road to hoe these days because can't, Canadians can't go into the U.S. probably until at least October 21st. Uh, Americans can come here if they check off all the boxes like uh, vaccination proof and you know COVID testing negative and all that other other stuff but we can't go there uh, Lee just wanted to follow up on uh, what Brian was saying and suggesting that we check out the 94 calls to action I mean simple Google here 94 calls to action and it brought up the actual document um, commissioned yeah. by the government so you can you can read through this you know probably a long lead 20 pages PDF and then of course you know right below that um, you know, you get CBC kind of synopsis type articles. Right. But, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's what Brian suggests is that we familiarize yeah. ourselves with these 94 calls to action. Yeah, so, and, and people uh, speaking up for Indigenous rights said, hey, this is great, but action speaks louder than words. And that's been a cliche for a long time, and it, uh, it still is, is, I believe, true. And... If you're wondering what action they want, there they are, right there, 94 actionable items. So that's pretty tangible. You know, some of them, some of them are probably long-term and more cultural, uh, culturally related, and cultural changes take generations. That doesn't happen overnight or within one political election term, but some of them are things that we can probably all address in, some, in our own little way, somehow. Yeah, the, uh, I love to see that uh, people are getting used to us as part of the streetscape here in St. Catharines. Uh, we had a couple of people walk by and wave. One guy was doing some dance moves for us. So <laughs> anything's welcome here on the backdrop of St. Paul. And, of course, Fiddler's Poor House is open just when we open the show at noon. Yeah. So feel free to swing by, see the show live, you know, in person and grab something to eat. New menu coming out at Fiddler's. And we are. We are live. 100% live and in living uh, color today, for sure. Uh, Lee, do you yes, want to talk? I mean, that thing went on 411 this morning about the statue, and we're just chomping at the bit to get to that. I, Is that where I was, you want to go? I was going to say I love this story. I don't love the story, but I just, I just, I just think it's so, it's, it's so magnetic, this story. So, so many what's, what ifs and whys and wherefores. Niagara Regional Police Service. Uh, has re released this released this uh, a statement on on Niagara 411 and elsewhere. A historic statue stolen in Niagara Falls. Uh, uniform officers responded to the Drummond Hill Cemetery on Lundy's Lane near Drummond Road, Niagara Falls. Officers attended for a report of a stolen statue and vandalism. So it was reported to officers that a bronze statue of Lieutenant General Drummond had been stolen and vandalism found on the grounds. Now the statue sat upon a bronze horse. The artifacts sat on a large concrete base. The theft of uh, Lieutenant General Drummond would have been labor intensive, they say. I would think so. Possibly involving a vehicle to transport the statue. Now, 
Uh, when you see the picture, any close-up picture makes things look larger than they actual are, actually are in real life. Now that statue is only about 36 inches tall. The statue that was stolen. And the statue was stolen and separated from the horse. That's what we're led to believe, right? I mean, it says the statue sat upon sat a bronze upon horse. A, a horse. So we're thinking that the statue of Lieutenant Drummond uh, itself was 36 inches tall, weighing about 330 pounds or something like that. Now, if that is so, I learned something about bronze statues that I didn't know before. I didn't know that they were separatable, if there is such a word. I didn't know you could take the guy off the horse. Like, I thought the horse and the guy were sculpted together or whatever you call it. However you do bronze statues. Maybe they're bolted together, Lee. Maybe they were bolted together. Well, where would the bolt be? I don't know. That's... Well, this is the thing that makes it an interesting question. And who and why would you go to the trouble to separate the guy from... Well, I guess the horse must have been too... Way too heavy. But who wanted this thing? It... I, back in the... Uh, back in the caveman days of uh, university students, I remember that there were always pranks that one perhaps fraternity house would play on another or one uh, like the engineering students would play on the architectural students or whatever the heck it is uh, and you know they'd steal each other's mascots or whatever you know like like juvenile university kid stuff is it something like that i wonder like was somebody up for a dare and said uh, okay as uh, part of your hazing you gotta you gotta steal a statue I don't know. I'm just guessing here. Don't make that reality now. Don't come out on, don't come out on uh, uh, Facebook or Niagara 411 Live and said uh, Starry said it was some sort of university. He's blaming university students. I'm not at all. I'm just. How do you how do you do this and how do you get away with it? Yeah. I mean, you would have had to have what welding torches or grinders. You'd have to have tools and a big truck, like they said, 330 pounds. It's not easy to lift. No. <laughs> So the NRP are asking, uh, you know, metal recyclers to uh, keep their eyes peeled. Oh, you wouldn't want it. You just wouldn't take it and melt it down. Would, you, it, would somebody actually do that for the... Is bron what is bron melted down bronze worth? Anything? Well, they said it must be worth $10,000. Oh, they say that? Oh, I missed that. Part. Yeah, they say that the value of the statue... Oh, there it is. Yeah, over ten grand. So I'm assuming that's in, in the bronze. Well, it can't be a collectible, can it? Now this Drummond guy, he's not uh, he's not in the collection of uh, former slave traders or slave owners or anything like that. Apparently he's one of the few statues in Canada of a good guy. <laughs> all, the, all the others are being knocked down and uh, you know we got a good guy here we think and now he's stolen. What do you do with it? Where do you store it? What's that? What's that in your garage, Biff? <laughs> <laughs> that's my friend. Well, that's uh, my friend, uh, Lieutenant uh, Drummond. Oh, okay. Member of the family? Well, used to be. <laughs> I don't know. Um, speaking of used to be, and we've been talking about missing people, etc., in Niagara, uh, really, really uh, positive ending to a story of two girls that... Uh, had been missing for a couple of days, 12 and 14 years old respectively. They were located and found safe, so that's great. That announcement came out earlier today, uh, or later yesterday on Niagara 411, so that's awesome. 
but we are still missing Darren Werner or Werner. Uh, w E R N E R. Missing man from Niagara on the Lake. This is the gentleman that went out for a, a cycle. Correct, Kevin? Went out for a bicycle ride? Uh, they're not really sure. Or was it? He, or was he in his car? I can't remember. There were a couple. Not of, uh, not a hundred percent sure as to uh, what preceded him going missing, but they're still searching for oh, him, yes, and it's I very disturbing it as too. it stretches into I think a second week now. Yeah. In his fifties, I believe. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, not um, a, not a trace. Um, Lee, we are going to get to uh, Wayne Kretz here in just a couple of seconds, but as promised, you know, if anybody wants to come on the show, and I'm not sure she wants to, but she's there, and I believe this is Jen who's uh, just dialed in from her car. Jen, how are you? Great, how are you guys doing? I'm good, good, good. Where are you right now? What can we do for you? I'm in my mobile office. I just thought I'd uh, log in and check out the show and see what's going on. Well, um, thank you. I know there's a, it's been a little sad today, I gotta say, you know? Yeah, well, um, some, uh, some pretty deep emotions are uh, not too far from the surface, but uh, maybe you can, uh, Maybe you can give us your perspective on what you're doing. What are what are you doing? Why are you here? What would you like to talk about? Well, I didn't know you were going to cut me in like this. Um, I'm you didn't? adjusting what just happened with that bronze statue. I, oh, you yeah. might see my comments in the 411. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't what I logged on about, but hey, you you know, if you want to talk about that for a minute. Well, that's, all, that's, okay. that's okay. Um, we can chat about whatever it is you uh, logged in about. Okay, well, um, my page is Niagara Things to Do. I don't know if uh, anybody's had a chance to check it out. Oh, I've seen um, that. On... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, and it's it's basically, I'm trying to help out the businesses in the community during COVID and lockdown and everything else that's going on right now. Um, obviously, our community is taking a huge hit. And uh, I'm really concerned about it, and I'm trying to help and do what I can and get out there and promote different restaurants, different events, different everything that I can. Um, obviously, with the Vax card rollout right now, this is going to take a serious toll on uh, a lot of these said businesses. So mm -hmm. I'm a little concerned about that, for sure, for sure. So, um, Jan, what, what's your last name? James. Jan James. I go by the boss, uh, VIP. I actually am an antique dealer. What I really do is antiques and collectibles. I've done that for years. And okay. when COVID rolled out, I tried to help out the, the restaurant community by doing foodie vlogs and stuff. So I kind of segued a little bit out of antiques just for a bit. Okay. And now you have the uh, a Facebook page called Niagara Things to Do, right? Yes, is and it's, it's going really well. Is that what it's called, Niagara Things to Do? I'm just trying to pull it up here, Jen. Yeah, it's uh, so it's Jan James on Niagara Things to Do is one of my pages as well as the boss.vip, but it's Niagara, upper lower case, and then things to do, all uppercase with an exclamation mark. Um, you'll see a lot of my postings. I've been doing a lot of feeds all summer through Clifton Hill, through Niagara Falls. Uh, just finished doing um, the zip line the other day. I mean, that was mind blowing. I, I can't even tell you how amazing that is. And guys, I'm really sorry to even bring all this up today because, um, you know, being what's going on and, oh. and I didn't wear my orange, but I wearing my Canada because Not it is all about Canada. No, no, jacket, no, right? so, no, need to no need to apologize at all. It's what the show is for. We bounce around. We have always said from the beginning, uh, of this program that we will talk to anybody about anything 
And um, this, is, this is precisely our mandate, is to help people like yourself in Niagara that are trying to, to do something or have something that, uh, that they want people to know about. That's, it's precisely the reason that we are here. Uh, and I'm really glad you came on today. That, that now the zip line uh, is yes. one, of those, uh, one of those attractions that uh, it had to close for a while because you know the whole COVID effect of everything uh, was pretty huge in Niagara because of the size of our entertainment, uh, tourist, uh, and service industries. But we're underway now, and we're we're showing right now your uh, your video that to uh, get you ready to go on the zip line. So, you, were you a little bit uh, a little bit antsy about it or not? Oh my God! I mean, if I mean, there's so many amazing things to do in the Niagara region. I think we all know that. And uh, I'm actually an import from Toronto. So I came here 12 years ago. And of course, there's an abundance of things to do in Toronto. But when I got down here, I realized, hey, there's even more things to do here, technically, when you think about it, and better things, better attractions, better of those adrenaline pumping and rushing bucket list items, I'd even say, because even though it might be a bucket list item, I mean, you can live your bucket list. You don't have to be on the verge of uh, on your way out, you know, to enjoy everything you might want from that bucket list, right? Yeah. And that includes like the zip line. Um, I mean, I, I met a couple that were tourists that were actually in from out of town when I was down at the Clifton Hill area. And, uh, you know, they were both walking on canes and stuff and they we got talking, they asked me, what did I think were the ultimate things they should be doing? And um, other than the fact that you have to climb a whole bunch of steps to get up to the zip line launch, yeah. if there was a way to get them up there, I would say that was the thing to do. You know, is there a way to? And they said they could make it upstairs, even though they were walking with canes. So if you can, if you can get up there, I highly recommend the zip line to anybody and everybody yeah. because it challenges what your deepest fears are. And, uh, and like that's kind of for the end of all my posts, because I was like, I know I'm going to do it. It's just a matter of when am I going to do it? When am I going to get up the nerve to do it? And when I finally did it, I was so happy that I did. And, uh, yeah, I must say it was like seeing a piece of heaven up there. And all that's, right. Don't describe uh, it. Jan, we got to move on, but uh, I appreciate you coming on Niagara things to do. Everybody check it out on your Facebook, uh, search page and uh, we'll talk again i'm sure thanks for thanks for highlighting so many uh, things in niagara thanks for having me love it thank you so much all right cheers bye bye okay that's kind of cool um a lot of businesses getting some getting some recognition and uh, as things open back up nice uh do we have wayne standing by uh, yeah, i'm just bringing him back in here now right. okay cool so uh we'll do that so, and you know what i'm going to throw up a. Uh, a little story that the Buffalo News did on uh, on Wayne, and you can kind of take it from there. I shall. So there we go. Um, there's Wayne, uh, and the 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 quote is: "Just let me go to the game." Canadians, Bills fans, shut out from the stadium, and well, obviously, COVID related. Uh, and Wayne Kretz uh, joins us now, uh, owner uh, operator of Manhattan's Bar and Grill here in uh, in St. Catharines over on Vine Street, but also operator of an organization uh, called Niagara Sports Trips. Hey, Wayne, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? 
I'm super, super. Thanks for joining us on the program today. Sure. And um, so I know you, along with all the other restaurateurs, are just finally getting to their their feet back under them after a long time. But tell us about the mm-hmm. tell us about the Niagara Sports trips and and what this story is all about right now. Tell us about that. Uh, well, sports trips started maybe 15 years ago. It was a, a business idea that I had to just. I like to go to sporting events. It was hard to get to some of them, so I thought it would be cool if we did a bus. Uh, I worked for the Ice Dogs for a while and had some good relationships with the bus companies. So when I got a bar, it just seemed like a natural progression. We did one or two trips and then four or five trips. We do about 20 a year now. Uh, we go to Montreal, we go to New York City, we go to Boston, we go to Dunedin. But a lot of them are, are going to Toronto to see the Jays, going to Buffalo to see the Bills, uh-huh. uh, even concerts, anything really. So, um, so why are we talking about this right now? Obviously, that part of your business has, other than perhaps doing the events in, in Ontario, but even the events in Ontario are just finally starting to open up. Why are we talking about this? What's going on with it? Well, well, it's dried up completely since COVID. Our first one that we're going to get to do is this Saturday. We're going to Toronto to see the Jays in Baltimore, so that'll be cool. Yeah. Uh, but I got a call from the Buffalo News last week and uh, wanted to, I'm a season ticket holder with the Bills. Uh, I do bus trips over there. Uh, so, and I've talked to them a few times and they thought, can we do a story? Just like, what's going on? Because a lot of Americans just assume the border's back open and that we can go there just like they can come here. And of course we know that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was the story was, I think it's 29, 31% of season ticket holders and the Bills are Canadians and, and we can't go. Uh, I had a bus trip that was ready to go this Sunday. We were going to go see the Houston game. I had 54 tickets. It was sold out, uh, kind of anticipating the border was going to open. And then the American one didn't. And we had another month and another month. And yeah. uh, luckily, the team took it back and, and, and bought the tickets back from us. But it's, it was just a story about, uh, about us being shut out and not being able to go over and watch our team. And so I'm assuming, well, let's assume. I'm assuming but maybe I shouldn't. Let's assume that October 21st, the date that we've been told, uh, the land borders actually do open up from Canada into the United States as well as the other way. I'm assuming that people that go on your trips are still going to have to show the proof of vaccination and you've got those extra hoops to jump through, right? I imagine. Uh, we haven't been told. There's there's no news on it, but it's it's safe to assume. And we, we'd probably want them to be vaccinated. We're going to be in tight quarters in the bus. Uh, I know the rules right now for our Toronto trip is the bus is fine. You just have to have your mask on. We can all sit on the bus together. Uh, the first row isn't available, so the driver has a little bit of a buffer zone. Uh, but other than that, the bus is the buses are a go. So until I hear more from the border or, or from the states or from our government, it, everything's in a holding pattern right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how do we how do we keep up to date with what's happening with uh, Niagara Sports Trips, your company. You've got, obviously got a page somewhere, a Facebook or, uh, or, or something. Yeah, it, we have a Facebook page, Niagara Sports Trips. It's linked to the Manhattan Bar and Grill page. Uh, really, most trips sell out. Just we put signs up at the bar and we do our posts. And it's been about four years now, so we've got a pretty nice following. So we'll yeah. do a post and say, hey, if there's a new trip announced. We're going to do this trip. Uh, who's interested? And it fills up in a day or two. I can't think of a real uh, much of a better way to go see a major sporting event, something, especially something 
as, as raucous and as crazy and well attended as an NFL football game. Uh, rather than go in a group like that on a bus, it's worry free. You don't have to worry about driving and parking and all the rest. Because if anybody has, uh, uh, anybody watching has ever driven into a Niagara, uh, an NFL football game in Buffalo, uh, they know what I'm talking about. I'd much rather somebody else do the driving. <laughs> well, yeah, and then we, we, with our trips, we supply the food, we supply the drinks, we park the bus close to the stadium so you don't have any of that hassle. And then if you've been to a Bills game, sometimes you get a little bit out of hand and somebody, somebody's there to safely drive you home. So that's a nice little touch that we always have. Uh, that's cool. So uh, here's, here's fingers crossed for uh, border openings uh, in the next three weeks or so. Uh, Wayne Kretz, thank you very much. How's things, how are things going at the restaurant with this uh, uh, vaccination passport thing? Uh, everybody, be, everybody behaving themselves? For the most part. We've had a, a couple of people that want to make a point of their not agreeing with the government standards and thinking that it's something that we can control. But 99.9% .9 of the people, just they have it in their hand, they flash it, they come. Uh, we've got a decent group of regulars that aren't vaccinated yet. We're, we're fortunate to have a big patio outside and the weather's cooperated. Uh, so, so, so far, okay. We'll see what happens when the snow starts flying, yeah. uh, when they're not quite as happy to sit out there. But so far, so good. And uh, Lee, I was just going to hop in here. wanted sure. to touch on, uh, you know, just the differences between us going there and them coming here. Um, Wayne, you were telling me the story about the photographer that actually came over. So somewhat easy for him to come here, yet we can't go there. Well, and it was funny when they did the story over the phone and uh, he said, I'm going to send a photographer over to get a picture. And I'm like, well, I have pictures. Uh, the NFL Network was here a couple of years ago for a Bills playoff game. I've got some great pictures. He's like, no, we, li we like to use our own. And the photographer had to go and get a test uh, at, I guess, at the paper's expense and then drive wow. all the way over here. He's here, he's here 15 minutes, takes a couple of pictures. Like, it was a picture like this. It's, it's me and my bar. And, so and they took, wow. That's pretty yeah. good. That's pretty yeah. cool that they took the trouble to do that. Yeah, I was, I was surprised. And, and he took some video. I don't know what they did with it, but we did a little a little mini interview, but right. it was a couple of pictures and, and off the coast. <laughs> that's great. Well, Wayne, uh, again, um, I, I know we're sort of in a holding pattern, but uh, hopefully things will open up soon. Thanks for taking time out of your day to be here with us, and uh, hopefully we can get the bus trips underway again soon. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Nice to talk to you. Take care, man. Yeah, man. All right. Well, let's stick with the restaurant business for a second, uh, Kevin, and we're going to come right here to home at Fiddler's Poorhouse on St. Paul Street. We're just a stone's throw from uh, the Rankin Bridge that uh, connects St. Paul Street with the Meridian Center, where the Ice Dogs play and the concerts are, et cetera. So that kind of gives you a, an idea of our juxtaposition here on St. Paul Street. And we sit in this uh, beautiful open air um, window. Uh, this lovely garage door goes up and we've got a nice breeze in here today. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful spot. Nice place to come watch your sports, et cetera. Uh, and, but there was a fellow who showed up in broad daylight for something in the afternoon and he was captured on video or at least a, a camera uh, here at Fiddler's. Fiddler's Poorhouse did put a post up and then Nick at Niagara 411 put a post up and there's the dude right there. Now he walks into an open business in the middle of the day, middle of the, the business's day, four or something, they open at noon, and uh, 
and ends up schlepping around inside the restaurant and uh, makes his way to a room where he goes through drawers and shelves and such like and manages to make off with uh, a fair bit of money and coin and off he goes pretty brazen move but that was here if you see that those shots on Facebook that happened here at Fiddler's Poorhouse and we're looking for this guy obviously so now uh, if you have any knowledge as they say Lee the word that I got is that this guy's going around town um, yeah the, yeah this isn't the only place apparently uh, the same guy hit Antica restaurant in Niagara Falls and I know how many people love that family-run business down in yeah. the falls Antica they're supposed to have the best pizza anywhere um, and then uh, four other restaurants. So same guy responsible for hitting six restaurants, at least that we know of. And it's this guy right here. <laughs> and I do want to add for clarity, Lee, is that um, normally this area wouldn't be accessible to people at the restaurant. But no. because of COVID, they put the, uh, the patio in the back parking lot. So now people are walking through a hallway that they otherwise wouldn't. Correct, yeah. Because people wonder, like, well, why do they have access? Well, it's kind of a COVID thing. Yeah, yeah. Everything is kind of a COVID thing, isn't it? Um, or a COVID X thing, or a derivative of it, whatever. Gosh, Lee, yeah. uh, we're real busy here. I'm not going to give you a chance to do anything because uh, our buddy, uh, our buddy Sully, is joining us. Last last Sully. week, he was a uh, Kingston area. Yeah, 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 yeah. How are you guys? Hey, we are great, William. Uh, William O'Sullivan, by the way, is, is on a mission. He uh, was walking from St. Kevin's in Welland here in Niagara up to, uh, up to Parliament Hill in, uh, in Ottawa. And the last time we talked with uh, William Sullivan, he was uh, in Kingston. Where are you now, mate? I am on Thousand Islands Parkway in in between Rock Point and Brockville. All right, all right. So you went gonna, through. I was going to take, take Highway Two up yeah. into Ottawa, but then the police stopped us and said, "You know what? You got to take the Thousand Islands Parkway." And I am so grateful we did. Okay, why? Just the scenery out here is absolutely stunning. The Thousand Islands, all the cottages on them, and and the changing of the colors, and I'm one of the most fortunate men in the world to be watching, watching this country right now. Did you get through Gananoque? Went through there, absolutely gorgeous, all yeah. kinds of photos we got through there, just beautiful. Yeah, it is a it is a lovely part of our province, the Thousand Islands area, absolutely. Absolute. I lived in Kingston for about 10 years, so I'm pretty familiar with it. And they, okay, are, yeah. they, are, they, are, they are beautiful. So you're, um, are you just on a break right now, or are you still walking? No, I'm walking. I'm out here walking. Man. Yeah, you look like you were walking. All yeah, right. I got my support driver right behind me there, Jenny. <laughs> now, you said uh, last time we talked, William, that you had an event that was going to be happening at City Hall or um, a, a place, a, an official place in Kingston after we got off the air yeah. uh, last week. How did that go? How, how did your visit in Kingston wrap up? Uh, it went very, very well. We did a couple of protests in uh, uh, Belleville and the Diocese of Kingston chimed in on it and blamed the survivor or the people inside the church not having a good service because we were outside distracting them. 
So okay. I thought, and of course her, her name's Karen Shannon, the communications director from the Kingston Diocese. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I thought, you know what, I'll give you a chance to explain yourself in person and then call the paper maybe and retract what you said. I went down to the diocese to protest for four hours and uh, they ignored me completely. Nobody came outside the building. They were all in there taking photos, of course. What was it she said that you wanted her to retract, William? What they, when we went to the uh, church, the, the person that did the interview called Karen Shannon at the diocese for a comment and she said, although we respect Mr. O'Sullivan's right to peaceful assembly, we want him to respect the right of our prisoners being able to pray in peace. I have never taken my megaphone out during a service ever. Mm -hmm. I wait until it's done. Mm -hmm. So what the way it looked like in the article, let's blame the survivor again. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I went there to get her to try to explain herself and she wouldn't come out of the building. So sat there on the megaphone and called out each perpetrator priest that came out of Kingston. Uh, let's blame the survivor again. That's quite yeah, a man. That's quite a mantra to to remember. Uh, that's 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 quite a quote. And for those of those folks that might not have seen our chat last week, one of the things that I mentioned about you is that you have a mission, uh, you have a passion, uh, but you're not uh, an out of control zealot. You have respect. For, for the church and many people who are um, are involved with that, but yeah. your your call to recognize the bad apples in the barrel um, is is very is very well thought out and very passionate and um, yeah, I absolutely. You know, there, there there's there's no way I will ever from now until the day I die be deterred from my mission ever. No real deter me ever. We went to St. Mary's Cathedral in Kingston to protest, and the priest came out and talked to me, and that went over good. But two parishioners came out of the church wanting to fight me. Again. Again. <laughs> These guys are in service with God himself, and they're coming out wanting to start violence. Like, come on, guys. Well, um, I know you've got a ways to go, and uh, I hope the rest of your day uh, and trip goes well. And continue to check in with us, if you would, uh, Sully, because we want to keep track of what's going on. Absolutely. I'll give you guys a call again next Thursday. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Yeah, stay well. Peace. All right, Kevin. It's nice that uh, somebody like Sully will will call and check in because we do these, we have these conversations with folks and then often it's a little bit hard to keep track of their progress. So that's great that uh, that he did that. And, and uh, I believe him that he says he'll do it, uh, call us again next week. He is an amazing guy. He's, um, he's, he seems so, in spite of the tragic things that he experienced, uh, and others that he knows, and others that he doesn't even know. He outwardly seems so balanced in, in, his, in his approach, which is always, I think, astounding for somebody that's experienced those kinds of things. Wow. And you know what? Uh, he's using this show and this platform exactly as we had envisioned. Yep. If you've got a cause, we, we don't turn anybody away. If you hop on, hop in the green room, just click that Zoom link, and you can talk about something that you're passionate about. You can talk about an upcoming event, something you believe in. Yeah. Um, we don't even care if you don't want to wear an orange shirt. It's okay. Your shirt color is your choice. You know, they're actually hard to come by. 
They are. It was difficult. <laughs> um, Brandon, who uh, co-owns WeStream with myself, he put up a post that was shared many times by people across Niagara detailing with phone numbers the places that you could buy orange shirts in Niagara where the mm -hmm. money went back to indigenous causes. Right. And all of them were sold out of shirts. But that's kind then, of a good sign. It, it absolutely is. But it leaves the rest of us that want to buy shirts and support wondering where do we go? You know what used to drive me a little bit uh, crazy is when I guess it was the the bay that always used to sell the gear about uh, like the Canadian Olympics with all the Canada stuff on it with the rings and the whole thing, and and I'd walk by after the Olympics, uh, walk by the shelves and they'd still loaded, loaded, with gear. So and then I'm thinking, hey, it's too bad that it didn't sell out, but in this case. The exact opposite is true. They are sold out, so Absolutely. that's really good. Interesting side note there, Lee. You're right. It has been the Bay for so many years. Um, the Canadian Olympic Committee just signed a deal for four Olympic Games with Lululemon. Oh, well. So our Olympic gear will now be found Lululemon. It's interesting, you know, for four Olympic Games, but it only goes until, like, 2028. Right. Because they're jamming them in now. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, the next four Olympics. I love the Olympic Games. I don't know if I have the physique for a Lululemon, but uh, we'll give it a try. I guess you could wear a Lululemon toque or something. <laughs> speaking of toques, speaking of hats. Oh, sorry, I was throwing this up for you here, but uh, it's yeah, okay. No, you want to talk uh, Beau Chapeau? Yeah, I'll do it. I can do it later. I dropped my cards. I had some really cool cards to show you. I'll do it next week. Um, but yes, the. Wow, we've got some uh, noisy vehicles going around here today. Don't worry about it, Kev. I'll get them later. I'll grab them. Uh, anyway, so we'll talk about that uh, in a bit. Here's. Uh, a collision that took place and it's not unusual that there are many notes up on Niagara 411 about vehicle collisions and crashes etc because there are lots of them and uh, we have access to who does what where when and how and it's uh, it's a public service that Nick provides for uh, thank you Kevin uh, that Nick provides uh, the viewers of Niagara 411 to let people know where there's a problem Okay, now that being said, most of them are not of, uh, of note. They're, you know, intersection, they're fender benders for the most part. There are some serious ones, unfortunately. But here's one that I was really surprised about. So, if you are familiar with this intersection, uh, it is where Scott Street, one of the main east-west thoroughfares in the north end of St. Catharines, crosses Geneva Street, which is one of the main thoroughfares north-south, and it's a very busy but very large, well-marked, with street lights, like with stoplights, um, intersection. So where are we talking here? Here, I'll get up to uh, right at the corner, just, just not too far from the Fairview Mall. There's Scott Street there. It's uh, north of where the Queen Elizabeth Highway goes over. There it is, right there, Scott and Geneva. That Geneva. Uh, yeah. is that big parking lot with either a school or a church there. There you go, there's, Central Community Church. Yeah, there's there's the church there. There's a school around there because the 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 speed limit zone is like down to 50 or 40 when the lights are flashing. It's a really really well marked, busy intersection. Now, busy, is, I suppose, is the operative word. Where I'm going with this is the fact that you might have noticed when Kevin first put that up there, a five-car accident. Now, you get five-car accidents on things like the Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth Highway or the 406 or something like that. It's very rare that at a 
at an inner city suburban well-marked with stoplights and the whole deal intersection that you've got five cars i can like a couple of course somebody turns in front of somebody and you know honk smash uh somebody now there is a there there is a large incidence uh, in that area, I do well. Not just that area, probably all others, but at, the, at this intersection, because it is busy, people are trying to get through it, and uh, I have myself have witnessed many people uh, running the yellows, if you will, uh, and sometimes those yellows are turning to red or have turned to red by the time they go through the intersection. So that does happen, and I don't know what that's what happened here. But Kevin, I just found it strange that a, a regular sort of main thoroughfare. Uh, intersection where there aren't a lot of hidden views there are five vehicles involved in an accident I would love to talk to somebody that saw this here's a comment this is a terrible intersection my son lives near there and says there's an accident every other day I was there and heard a crash a week ago I hope everybody will be okay as far as I know there weren't serious injuries but uh, there's a shot from somebody's dash cam or from their from the inside of the cabin of their car and um, I still don't have a sense of what happened. I, I, there's I, the intersection there. I guess it looks maybe looking south, like back towards Fairview Mall. Uh, yeah, could be. Yeah. Hard but to say. Hard to, yeah, hard to, hard to make that up. Oh, here we go. Okay, so there's a motorcycle involved here. That motorcycle was lucky. He had a car in front of him, preventing him from entering the intersection. Wow. What was that person in the fit thinking? So obviously we know what happened, but I don't. Um, if you can't see a solid red, it didn't look like they were distracted in the video, perhaps impaired. Where, I, where's the, did you see the video, Kev? I didn't see a video. No, I didn't. I'll look for one. But okay. uh, obviously implying that uh, somebody blew through a red. Yeah, which does not surprise me, as I said, because I've seen those things happen before. But you would, you would think it would be tough to have five vehicles. But if one was a motorcycle, it's hard for them to control them. In certain circumstances, somebody makes one wrong move, and a motorcycle uh, doesn't have much of a chance. So, five of them, though. All right. Um, I want to thank once again our uh, our sponsors uh, for for being with us. Scales Gas Bars, our title sponsor. Of course, Performance Heating and Air, saving your local family money on local HVAC stuff because they've got families here too. And Wick high-speed internet, a solution to any and all of your, what might be, internet access or performance problems. And of course, uh, for all of your insurance needs, be it home, auto, you name it, Verge Insurance Group. Thank you to Blake Shirk, uh, Shirk and uh, his gang there. Beau Chapeau, whom uh, I'm one of their uh, stalwart customers, have been for years, uh, but uh, they were kind enough, knowing uh, that I like hats, uh, Kevin, not my Kevin, their Kevin, uh, Kevin Neufeld, um, owner of uh, Beau Chapeau Hat Shop on Queen Street in Niagara and Lake. Hello, girls. Um, and I sort of uh, went into an agreement. He said, uh, give me a shout out now and then and uh, we'll, we'll help you wear some cool hats. Well, case in point, uh, this, now this, uh, this chapeau is the same one I wore last week. I tried to change it up a bit. But the blue and the orange, I thought, you know, it was a better match. But here are a couple of cards I got for you. You know, this is uh, 
This is, uh, the hat is part of the man, is the quote. Beau Chapeau Hat Shop, over 10,000 hats in stock at any given moment. So that's the... Here, let's see if I can get that. Here, let's... Eh? Eh? But, um... Oh, there. there. Now, my son... See that, uh, see that uh, traditional style fedora on that, uh, that good-looking fella's uh, head there? I think my son bought me one of those for my birthday. I just don't have it yet. Two so I'm excited. Hey, uh, we got behind the scenes here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look at this professional staging. <laughs> well, actually, you should come around here. Do that. Come around here. All right. This is what WeStream does. This is not just somebody pointing a cell phone. How many cell phones do you have that you use here, Kevin? About 13 or so? Oh, uh, yeah, about that. Yeah. So, this is what I'm looking at when you're looking at me. Kevin's got all the gear there, and uh, and the routers, etc. Some of them are over on the on the bar. We have an outdoor camera that provides the streetscape that uh, that we use when we're coming from the office down there uh, in the booth. And uh, and yeah, it's uh, state of the art stuff. This is what you would see as far as quality programming is concerned on uh, any of the major news channels, be it uh, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, any, CHCH, uh, CTV out of Toronto, any of them, at a fraction of the expense and staffing that would normally be the case for that kind of for that kind of quality program. So that's why we're able to do what we do. It is homegrown here in Niagara, thanks to WeStream, Kevin Jack, and Brandon Scram, and, um, and all of their efforts. Uh, and nobody else is doing this across the country. People are, people are sort of dabbling in it, but not anywhere to this degree of consistency and professionalism. So um, that's our little- uh, uh, Thank you very much, Lee. You're and, welcome. Uh, that's our little shout out to, and, it, and and for a dinosaur like me, it's been really cool because I have been able to learn new things about uh, about how the new media works. Because I uh, I was part of the the cursed mainstream media, ooh, bad media, ooh, for uh, forty seven or eight years or whatever it is, and uh, and it's uh, it's nice. Now, this other card, see this one. You don't have to get out of your seat for this one, Kevin. But what the front of the card says is, we buy vintage hats. And this is another cool thing that they do. Um, we buy and restore vintage hats. And if you have a beloved vintage hat you would love to see go to a good home, just drive your hat into uh, Beau Chapeau, give it a new lease on life. They'll bring them back to life. Uh, and uh, if you want to give the hat to a worthy cause, they'll rejuvenate it, give you 50% of its value or whatever. Anyway, uh, if you've got a, an old uh, chapeau kicking around, Kicking around. Hey, dude, how you doing? Go, go, Leafs, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so that's another thing, uh, another offering that they have. All right. So uh, that's uh, that takes care of business. Coming up on the program, as always, we have a Niagara musical act that will play us off the stage. Now, uh, it was a couple weeks ago or so that uh, Kevin and uh, the WeStream organization uh, streamed the annual Mayor of Welland's charity function in Welland and it just a lineup of fabulous 
Niagara talent. Yeah, so if I can run through it. We had uh, sure. Oh gosh, we started with uh, the Mandevilles. It was all scaled down acoustic stuff, so the entire Mandevilles weren't there. Yeah, yeah. It was Serena and then uh, somebody accompanying her. Right. Um, we had Bar Mantini. We had Revive the Rose, Street Pharmacy. Revive the Rose we had on last week, didn't we? Yeah, Revive the Rose. They were awesome. Acoustic version of their song uh, that just got released, I think, on yeah. Friday. And I think that's like a hit. It sounds like the Trues, if the radio picks up on this, um, you know, sky's the limit for Revive the Rose. Uh, Street Pharmacy, it was uh, it was really cool, really cool. And uh, the artist we're going to feature here is Brooke Giorgino. And she's got a, a sultry jazz feel okay. to her. And I was really enamored with the performance and also her song selection. So, uh, so Brooke Georgino is coming up in just a couple of minutes. One of the things Kevin and I wanted to do as well uh, is do a little bit of self-promotion for this program, Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry, because it is not just uh, One Trick Pony that appears on Niagara 411 uh, site live every week. It also appears uh, on the Gales Gaspar site. It appears on all of the Facebook sites, etc., of our sponsors as well as we streams. Um, it, when I remember to do it, uh, I share it on mine as well. But this is not the only forum. We are on Twitter as well. You can follow us on Twitter. All you have to do is do the do the regular search. It's easy to find people. You know, Niagara four one one live and up will up will pop. Uh, as well as all of our programs from its very inception are archived on YouTube. And if people want to go back and uh, have a look at some things or catch an interview they might not have caught uh, in the beginning, Kevin, where on YouTube do they do they find us? Do they do that? How do they? Do uh, that? If you search for Niagara Four One One Live, it'll pop up, and they're all on the WeStream channel. So you could you could search on YouTube for WeStream with two E's in both We and Stream or Niagara Four One One Live. Make sure there's an underscore. But like you said, there's so many ways to find anything nowadays yeah. uh, that, that you'll find us. But you're right. It's all archived on YouTube. It's all archived on the WeStream Facebook page, on the Niagara 411 Facebook yeah. page. So it's everywhere. And you hear a lot about, uh, you hear a lot about podcasting and uh, people wanting to get into podcasting and uh, how popular it is. And it is growing in popularity. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And we do podcast this program as well. And of course, that would mean the, the program without pictures. So sometimes uh, if we seem to be explaining what you're seeing on the screen in a little bit more detail than might be necessary, that is uh, because we're doing that for the podcast audience as well. It's not a, it's not a huge part of our business, but uh, just it just shows you can go anywhere. Like if you're in your car and you've got a podcast platform you use, you can find us. So, uh, and that's uh, that's kind of neat and uh, and it's kind of fun. I was talking to somebody the other day, Kevin, uh, who was thinking of just I think I'll start a podcast. <laughs> that's kind of like saying I think I'll build a car. <laughs> you know, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna start building a car tomorrow. Uh, there are 70, what is it, what is the number? Around 70 million podcasts that are available uh, from all over the world through your, through your little device. Isn't that astounding? How do you expect to cut through? Well, that was also one of the mandates 
uh, of this program when I got going is the fact that it's cutting through because it's not just uh, a podcast. It's not a couple of uh, people that think they know something about something yapping for 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, it is, it, it's something that is important to Niagara. It's Niagara-based. It is, uh, we do partner with Nick at Niagara 411 Live and all of his contributors for content. So uh, it's something... Uh, we're uh, we're undefinedly. We are undefined. You this, know what? We don't fit into any of the boxes this show. Yeah, so I, I'm thinking of, I think I'm going to have to come up with what they call an elevator pitch. When somebody says, like, what is it you do? Uh, well, here it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you. Uh, the closest thing, it's a, t it's a TV show. It's a live TV show. It's just that we're not on traditional television. So I guess by definition, it's not a TV show. Exactly. But it is. But it is. It's more a TV show than it is a podcast. So if anybody has any great ideas, maybe we can coin a new phrase for what this is. Because any of the podcasts that I've seen that add video to it, the video is secondary. Yes. And it's usually sloppily handled. Where on this, the video is primary. Yeah, what you're seeing, is, is what, what you're watching is the key. What we do is provide context for what it is you're looking at. I've even tried to describe it to people who know me and know what I do, and, and every now and then you get the RCA dog thing, like... Huh? <laughs> Come again? Yeah. What's what that? <laughs> yeah, so we're looking for a nice little term, because we're not a podcast, we're not a TV show, yeah. there's no real phrase. Yeah. People call it video podcast, but that's not what this is. Because um, if, 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 if there were a bunch of awards or something for this genre, we'd probably have a couple by now, but... <laughs> we can make up our own awards. They don't have a category. Yeah. Anyway, it's a lot of fun, uh, and uh, it's great being able to speak with Niagarans like we spoke to today. And again, um, a couple of the stories, uh, heart-wrenching, but we're so, so pleased that the people wanted to join us. Kelly Campbell, the mom of uh, Alex and Paige, her family uh, is a shambles right now. Her husband, uh, ex-husband. Clayton Meisner, against uh, court orders, took her children to the east and went further than Canada and is now residing in the French island of Saint-Pierre. There's two French Republic uh, islands out there, Saint-Pierre and Miquelon. That's where uh, the father took the girls. That's where mom is right now as well. And uh, frankly, it's a mess. Uh, and uh, our hearts go to them. But also our thanks to Kelly Campbell for coming on to tell that side of this story that seemed to be very one-sided uh, and you know as they always say there's one side and then there's the other side then there's the truth so uh, but it seemed legitimate seemed uh, and uh, either way they've been through an emotional roller coaster that uh, none of us should ever have to put up with and for her to come out in, into this uh, sorry bees uh, into this environment and tell her story and be so upfront with it. Uh, it takes a lot of strength and we thank her for that. Brian Kahn, Indigenous lead of the Niagara Catholic District uh, School Board talking about Orange Shirt Day and this National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. Thanks to him for being here. Wayne Kretz, uh, Manhattan's owner and operator of Niagara Sports Trips. Appreciate your story as well. Uh, also, uh, Willie was Sullivan on his uh, trip to Ottawa, Jan James running uh, Things to Do in Niagara on Facebook, 
We've had uh, we've had quite a bunch in here today. Kev, it's been a good show. It has been, and uh, kudos to you, Lee, for uh, manning the ship and uh, doing a professional job as always. I thank you very much. It's a pleasure every week, and we're going to be hearing from Brooke. I knew I was Giorgono, uh, Giorgono, Giorgino, Giorgino, Brooke Giorgino. Just think of the Giorgino, Brooke Giorgino, um, performing at the Well and Mayor's Charity events uh, 10 days or two weeks ago or so, uh, streamed by WeStream as well. Great entertainment, and, and she's going to play us off the stage today. Have yourselves a, a fabulous weekend, and uh, remember, truth and reconciliation. Uh, have a great one, guys and gals.